Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I am Robert Winfrey, your regular host. Uh, before I get going, thank you very much for listening. I'll thank you again at the end of the show if you're a sucker for being thanked. Probably a fetish for that. I don't know what it would be, though, off the top of my head. I'll figure it out at some point in the future. Uh, however you have found us, thank you very much. Be that the 411 Mania website, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. I don't know if we're on iHeartRadio or not. Might be. They do a lot of podcasts. Pandora does podcasts. Uh, however you have found us, there's a lot of places you could. If at all possible, if you could interact with the product a little bit, that's very, very helpful. Like, comment, subscribe. If you're in a position to do any of those. Uh, if you're on a star rating system... Give us whatever star you think is appropriate, somewhere between the minimum and the maximum. If you want a binary system, thumbs up, thumbs down, go thumbs up. I think that's fair. Uh, at a minimum, we are just on the good side of a thumbs up. So, with no thumbs thumbs in the middle option, eh, sorry. I'm going to have to ask for the thumbs up. All right, on the docket this evening, a review of yesterday, UFC on ESPN plus 26. A card that I think we all kind of said, not terribly appealing on paper, but full of names and matchups that are very well positioned to overperform. Thankfully, it did. And we'll have a preview of UFC on ESPN Plus 27, which is a dog of a card. That card is not good. That card is really not good. <laughs> so we'll have a little bit of that. And not a lot of... There were only like two... Maybe three kind of news-related issues that came up this week, and one of them I don't really want to give a lot of time to. Uh, so, relatively short show, in all probability, this week. All right, he was off last week due to other work commitments, but back with us, my regular partner in crime, Jeff Harris. Jeff, how are you? Welcome back, Jeffrey Harris. The pleasure is all yours. It's an honor for you to have me. I'm Jeffrey Harris. Thank you. All right, let's jump into the event yesterday. The UFC was back in Auckland, New Zealand for the first time in a little bit. A uh, year or so, I think. A couple of years, actually, yeah, since June of 17. In your main event, Dan Hooker defeats Paul Felder via split decision, 48-47s. Two for Hooker, one for Felder. Um, this was a, this was not as wild a fight as I was kind of expecting. I, I apologize if I sound a little bit weird. I'm getting over a head cold, so I know I sound a little funky anyway. Uh, but these two had a fairly brutal war. <laughs> and at the end of it, they were both really, really banged up, um, Felder, the right side of Felder's face was swollen. I'm a little surprised at no point uh, the doctor came in to check on his eye. His right eye looked about swollen shut. Uh, he indicated in some of his post-fight stuff, once he got to the hospital, that his face was broken. Both he and uh, Hooker landed some hellacious calf kicks on each other. They were both limping around. Both men went to the hospital after this. Uh, I'm a little surprised there weren't wider scores on a couple of these. Officially, I was four rounds to one for Hooker. But there's only two rounds of this entire fight that I think are clear. 
You have the first round for Hooker, which is fairly clear, and the fourth round for Felder, which is also fairly clear. Those other three, all over the place. Uh, I don't even think there was consensus about which, again, the first and fourth are kind of consensus. Of the other three, I think all three of the judges who were actually scoring this all had different rounds to different people. It was that kind of fight. Uh, brutal fight. These two did a serious number on her. Felder's jaw, uh, sorry, not Felder, Hooker's jaw was injured. It might have been broken. Uh, the way he was holding his mouth would definitely lead me towards thinking that um, just, again, just a brutal uh, blood and guts kind of war that those two had. Uh, again, I scored it for Hooker. I have no issue with anyone who scored it for Felder. Uh, really, really engaging main event. So I have not a whole lot of complaints about this one. Uh, Jeff, how'd you score it and what'd you think of the fight? I thought it was a good fight. I think I I think I lean toward Felder, but it was a five round war, and I don't really have a that big of a problem with this decision. Felder's been in this situation before where. I think he's probably lost a couple decisions he, I think he could have won. And I think he maybe won a decision that probably should not have gone his way against Barboza. I don't know. How, do you, how did you feel about that fight with Barboza? I scored it for Bar- I scored the uh, their second fight. I did score for Barboza. Yeah. So just one of those things that's a part of the sport, unfortunately. So... Uh, one thing I will say, uh, obviously he hasn't made it official yet, but if Paul Felder, if this is it for him, I'm very grateful to him for the great fights he's given us. And, you know, maybe you look at his record, nine and five fighter, but within those fights, he's had some impressive matchups. He's fought a who's who of the division. He's... He has wins over uh, top-ranked opponents like James Vick and Edson Barboza um, and very tough veterans. Uh, If he retires, he has nothing to be ashamed of. And he has, I think, a great broadcasting career ahead of him. I mean, I think he's already established himself as one of the best, uh, I think, MMA broadcasters I think we could ever ask for. And I think you would agree with that, Robert. So... There's no shame in him wanting to retire because he's, you know, he he goes through these five, these three round, five round wars a lot, and that takes a toll on your body. It takes a toll on your life. So he has nothing to be ashamed of. He has nothing to apologize for if he calls it quits here. And if he does, I'm just so grateful to him for the career he's given us, despite you know not being like an elite level fighter not everyone's going to be an elite level fighter or title challenger but you can still have success and have a notable career just like in other pro sports yeah felder again after the fight said he wasn't sure that the but that this might be his last one uh he's always an emotional guy after a fight win or lose or draw so 
that may, again, that may or may it's not stick. Understandable. I mean, these guys give their, I mean, they give their lives, their livelihood, their lifespans, time away from their family, and to put all, and they put it all, they put it all out on the line when they go inside the octagon. And to do that, and to and to go through a five round battle like that, and to come up just short in a split decision, it's got to take a toll, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. So I can't blame him. Yeah, I'm with you. If he does, he's he's probably just below. Uh, if, if I were to rank pers- my personal enjoyment for UFC, you know, color guys, that which is kind of the heat. He vacillates between color and analysis, kind of depending on whether he's in a two- or a three-man booth. He's probably a shade below uh, Cruz and Cormier for me, but Cormier vacillates a little bit depending on how jokey he gets on analysis. But he's certainly... Yeah, Very uh, good. He's, I think he's right up there with a dominant Cruz. Yeah, he's... Okay, Felder is very, very good. I mean, when he first started doing that as part of the Contender Series, he was... It was shocking how good he was, and he's he's. I have no issue when he's on the call. He's very he's very good at that. If he does want to, you know, be done, the man's given us some absolute blood and guts wars, some great finishes, and you know, it's it sucks that not everyone gets to climb the mountain to the very top, but uh, not everyone does. That's just kind of reality. Uh, Dan Hooker after the fight. One of the craziest things when you put it in proper context, the man just been through five rounds of hell, sitting there with a busted jaw, unable to really, you know, not with both of his legs under him. Asked who he'd like next, he says he wants to fight Justin Gagey. Uh, I mean... A real classy show of sportsmanship by both guys, you know, when he was saying all that. and He didn't really interrupt Felder. You know, he went over there, raised his hand, and showed him respect. I really... I really appreciated that for both men. Yeah, for as heated as the build to this got at times, for them to you know be able to set that aside at the end was a really nice thing to see. I don't know that Hooker and Gagey will be next for either man. Uh, I think Gagey, given his current status in the division, his eyes are pretty clearly fixed on either a title opportunity or Conor McGregor, uh, which is where they should be if I was in his position. But I do really like that fight, and I do hope we get it. <laughs> because those two maniacs, uh, there's there's just a lot of wildness and violence to come about from those two. But it was a, a good main event. Uh, you know, Hooker keeps kind of inching towards the top five. We'll, you know, we have to kind of see how a few other things play out over the next couple of months, but uh, you know, Hooker's definitely in that he may not be in the title picture right now, but he's certainly closer. He's pretty close to it. I mean, his only loss at lightweight right now in the UFC is to Barboza. So he's in a good position to kind of, you know, get a top tier opponent next. If it's not a Gagey, maybe a Poirier. I know Dustin Poirier needs is looking for another uh, fight partner. And apparently, you know, there's... He keeps making noise about Nate Diaz because that fight was supposed to happen and then fell apart. I don't think that's very realistic. But Hooker and Poirier might be more attainable. So uh, there, again, there's 
he's he's due a top five guy next, I think. So somebody in that space. All right. Yeah, that was your I main mean, event. After, after that fight and a win like that, I mean, Felder was not like probably not a top five opponent, but he, I would say he was easily in the top ten at this point. Uh, Felder was a. This was officially a fight between number six and number seven. Felder was yeah, six. Okay. Hooker was seven. So both of them are solid. Both of them were solidly in the top ten. So, and this was Hooker's third win, and he's seven and one overall in his last eight. So, Hooker has been doing good lately, undeniably. So he is due for a big fight. I think you're right. All right. Uh, okay, that was the main event again. Good main event. Uh, that was the that was the fight that was kind of anchoring a lot of this, and thankfully it delivered. I gotta uh, be honest. So, if Hooker were to fight Poir- uh, Poirier, I would heavily favor Poirier in that fight. I would favor both Poirier and Gagey over Hooker. Not now, to say not to say he couldn't win, but you know where do I lean? I almost hate to say it, but I think Donald Cerrone is a good fight for him. It's probably a good fight for Cerrone, too. Yeah. That would be... That's a, that's a possibility. I mean, Cerrone, again, Cerrone being where he is in the division right now makes that a little bit... I think uh, a little bit of a harder sell if you're Hooker. Why? He's looking at the t- he's looking at somebody like in the top five, and I think Cerrone's out of that at this point. You think, you think Hooker would say no to a fight with Cerrone? Depends on what other options are presented. Cerrone's ranked. I mean, whether you whether it's just or not, Cerrone is ranked in the top five at the moment. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fight Cerrone. That's an easy top five win for Hooker. I'm just saying. I mean, I, I don't. I. I mean. Just in terms of rankings, Cerrone is in the top five, even though arguably you shouldn't be. Uh, and he, then he definitely should not. All be. right, he shouldn't be, but he is. And then Hooker surging—it's stylistically, it's a type of matchup that Cerrone likes. A fighter's fighter, you know, type of matchup. Correct. Yeah, and now to be fair, we are recording this on su- on Sunday, so. The updated rankings have not come out yet in the wake right. of this fight. It I mean, f- Hooker, Hooker's going to go... Felder's six, so Hooker could be ranked number five come the next couple days. Who knows? Yeah, Hooker might jump into Hooker might jump to five uh, off of this. Arguably, he should be... F- I, I think he probably... I mean, if Cerrone's five, he should be ranked above some Cerrone, don't you think? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the, so, the game... Fight uh, the Gagey fight doesn't make any sense to me. To me, Gagey should be like fighting the winner of Habib versus Ferguson. Yeah, or Gagey should be the one on injured standby for that fight in case something happens or, to it. Or, or fighting Poirier for that matter. Uh, I don't want to see that rematch right now. Okay. I do want to see it, but. Okay, I, I, yeah, if you're, yeah, Gage should be on standby for the Ferguson fight. I agree with that. Or fighting the winner. Yeah, he should be either fighting for the belt or fighting Connor next. Is kind of where my head is with Gagey at the there, moment. There's no Connor is ne- there's no way. It's oh, never- I know, oh, I know. Oh, look, Connor would never sign that fight. There's way too little upside, and he probably loses. Right. But 
Again, Connor's talking, next fight will be a title fight. Unless he does something fight. really stupid, yeah. Title fighter Nate Diaz is what I will say. Yeah, that's most likely what's next for him. Um, They've been offering fights to Nate Diaz, so... Yeah, the money's the only, there. Nate Diaz isn't saying no to Conor McGregor. Yeah, the only other potential option for McGregor would be Masvidal, but the UFC's kind of leaning towards Masvidal and Usman at the moment, so that's a little bit tied up. But nothing's been signed yet, so who knows what could change. Uh, all right, as for your co-main event, Jimmy Crute submitted Mikhail Luxajic via Kimura, 329 of the first round. Um, these two are probably as close as we have to, you know, genuine prospects in this division right now that haven't made the leap to contendership. Uh, not a, uh, Jimmy Crute had a, this was a solid win for him. He was able to kind of avoid the power punching of Oleg Sejuk, force a clinch, hit a bunch of mat returns, finally established some top control, got mount, set up the Kimura, moved back to side control, finished it. Solid, solid grappling from Crude all the way around. Uh, not a whole lot to say there. He's still a guy that's coming along, but there's a lot more leeway, I think, at 205 to have a few hiccups in your in your career and still be able to kind of get things back on track. So, again, solid fight, nothing spectacular. Uh, Jeff? I have nothing else to add. Okay, Jan Shaunan put a beating on Karolina Kovalkiewicz. Uh, this got hard to watch. Uh, officially, she wins via unanimous decision. 30-26 across the boards. I thought that was generous. I was 30-25. Uh, one of Shaunan's early punches broke, part of, broke some bone around the orbital of Kovalkiewicz's right eye. And she was never able to really kind of see out of it. Uh, Shaunan just between pace, power, volume, just put a beating on Kovalkiewicz. Um, Kovalkiewicz's corner should have stopped this between rounds two and three. She came out for round three, got taken down, and didn't get beat up as much in the third because they spent a lot of time kind of fishing around in 50-50 guard for leg locks. But there was no point to that entire third round for her to take that much more abuse. It just wasn't necessary. Uh, Kovalkiewicz has now lost four in a row. She's like two and six over her last eight. Uh, I think she's pretty much done in the UFC. And, you know, it's, she fought for the belt. She had a good run at one point. She has a good win over Rosanama Yunus. Like it's, she wasn't, she's not like some giant scrub or anything, but... She gave Rose a tough fight. Yeah. It, it's just kind it's of... a split decision. And I, I thought it, Rose won, but I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was a gritty fight. Rose started I, slow in that fight. She gave Rose a, a handful. I think just between the, the five rounds with Andra, with uh, Joanna, excuse me. The quick submission loss to Gedalia, the knockout to Andrade, I think 
the wear and tear has just caught up with her at this point. Um, as for Jan, she is undefeated in the UFC at this point still, I believe. I'm pretty sure, actually. Yeah. Uh, give that woman someone. I'm talking straw weight, so I'm not saying, you know. A- Six wins in a row, and she just beat a former title contender. I think you have to give her someone very near the top ten. Let's have let me have a look at the rankings here. Again, these have not been updated yet, but for strawweight, Doug Rose, Tatiana Suarez. I'd like to I'd like to see Yawn against um, maybe Nina. What's uh, Nina and Sarah up to? I don't know. That might make sense. That might. That might also be a bit much. Um, you got Claude, you oh, get... Uh, Nina just lost to Tatiana Suarez, so let's see what Suarez is doing. I, uh, I You know what? Uh, I'd, I think I'd like to see Jan fight uh, Suarez Espar- makes a lot of sense, because Suarez, Suarez is unbeaten in the UFC, uh, undefeated overall at 8-0. That could be a title eliminator right there, if you think about it. I... I think that's a bit much for Jan at this point. Plus, we don't oh, yeah, know when. But, but look, Jan is six and zero, Robert. Yeah, and this was her first. Like this was the, this was her first opponent that she fought that actually like had a like a win. Had a, in the had, a, had, a res, had that had a resume and had a name. Yeah, she beat Kylan Curran. Twelve and one. She only has one loss. And, and I mean, this isn't a very. I mean. It has bodies, but it's not a super deep division, Robert. Well, Darkest, we also, yeah, we, we also Suarez is still dealing with neck in, with her neck injury issues, so we're, okay. you know, you got Carla Esparza hanging out there at number seven. Maybe we need to see Jan mm-hmm. fight someone who's that kind of forward gra- of a grappler. You know, a, more of a wrestler grappler yeah. matchup. Maybe. That could work. Um, Esparza's won her last two. That could, yeah, just to give her. You know, to give her someone with experience, a uh, former champion this time. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah, so, it, Somebody wouldn't in the win. top ten, yeah. So there's certainly options, but she should be fighting somebody, again, top ten or above. Top ten. So, she, so top ten because Carolina was technically 14. top ten. All right. I'm not going to disagree with that for right now. But yeah, she's... There's still some issues with Yon that she needs to work out, but I mean, if you're still winning, uh, she's definitely on the come up. She could get to to the title level, provided uh, Wei Lei Zhang is still champion. That be that be pretty impressive. We could get an all China title an fight. Yeah, all China title fight. I'm sure that, the UFC would like to book that in China. That is Hope not you know, outside the realm of possibility. I know, you know, China's having issues with the coronavirus outbreak at the moment, which they're still still in the middle of, but hopefully all that will get resolved uh, soon. Yeah, I agree on that. That's that's a pretty terrible thing. <laughs> I mean, it's it's something that's going on, and it's, it's affecting China's economy and travel at this point. It's, it's a major thing right now. It's yeah, there were on. there were a bunch of there were several fighters on this card actually who were Chinese. Uh, Yan Xiaonan, Song Kanan, might have been another one, and yeah, they had to relocate out of China to 
do their training camps and everything to kind of get away from the outbreak. So at least they're still a, at least they're still able to fight and deal with that. So yeah, um, our heavyweight fight of the evening. God, this fight was terrible. Thankfully, it only lasted a minute and twenty eight seconds. Marcos Rogerio de Lima kills the combat wombat Ben Sassoli. <laughs> uh, this fight sucked. The fact that this fight was on the main card over Kai Kara France and Tyson Nam just annoys me to no end. And I'm going to point to this card like anytime someone tries to tell me that the UFC is actually invested in flyweight as a division. If you're a top 10 flyweight, which Kai Kara France was going into last night and remains after winning. And you can't get on the main card, not the main event, just the main card of an ESPN Plus event in your home country. There's no hope. Like, (laughs) I'm sorry, that's it. Like, you're, that makes no sense to me. Anyway, as for this fight, not good. Crappy heavyweight fight. At least it ended early. Uh, I am. I, I do get a little bit of, uh, because I have to take joy in crappy MMA where I can find it, uh, posting about the combat wombat on like Facebook and Twitter and seeing a few of my friends' reaction just to the existence of someone nicknamed the combat wombat. So, uh, Anything for this one, Jeff? I'm just going to do quick hits for the rest of the card. You know, that seems fair, actually. Uh, let's just go down the rest of this. Uh, Brad Riddell defeated Magomed Mustafaev via split decision. There were 29-28s. I think I scored this for Mustafaev, but great fight. Uh, Really good fight between these two. Riddell's a problem at lightweight. Uh, I thought pretty highly of Mustafaev, and, you know, again, close fight, but even going life and death with that guy, uh, Riddell, I think after the fight, called called out Alexander Hernandez. Do it. I say make that fight. Uh, I'd be very interested in that. Zubaira Tahugov defeated Kevin Aguilar via TKO 321 of the first round. Good lunging left hook from Tahugov. Good finishing sequence. Uh, Tahugov really needed this as kind of a rehab win after he had a very uninspired fight his last fight. Uh, that was his return from a layoff, and he fought to a draw that he was kind of lucky to get. Uh, Jalen Turner defeated Joshua Kulabo via TKO two, excuse me, three minutes of the second round. Kulabao is normally a featherweight, and that size difference was very, very obvious in this fight. Uh, Turner just bigger, I think it was like five inches tall or something like that. Longer and just kind of perpetually beat him up, eventually ground him down, finished him on the mat. Jake Matthews defeated Emil Weber Mech via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the boards. Jake Matthews still has an issue where he gasses in the third round. Uh, That's a problem. But Mech still can't deal with a wrestler committed to wrestling against him. And if you want to be in the UFC, especially at welterweight, you better have an answer for that because there's a lot of them that do that. Uh, Song Kanan knocked out Callan Potter with punches at 220 of the first round. Good win for Kanan. Uh, he was sneaking kind of straight rights down through the guard of Potter pretty consistently, eventually put him down. 
Uh, solid win. Kai Kara France defeated Tyson Nam via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards. Good flyweight fight. A uh, lot of stick and move from Kara France, a lot of high volume, perpetual motion. Tyson Nam, bigger power puncher. Found it, hit him a few times, made it interesting, but you know, ultimately this was a, a good rebound for Kara France after he came up short in his last fight. Angela Hill made a little bit of history by being the first person, male or female, to win six fights. She wins six or appear in six. I need to confirm this very quickly. To appear in six fights in a less than one year period of time. Uh, because so if you go back to yeah, she was just under. She got to six fights in like three hundred and fifty some odd days, I think. If you count days. So, yeah, good on her. She defeated Loma Lukbunmi. Good fight, actually. Uh, Loma is normally an atom weight. And she's been bulking up to straw weight to be in the UFC, but it's very, like, the fact that she's a natural atom weight is fairly obvious at this point. Uh, she still found some success, uh, but so, you know, good fight. Good win for Angela Hill. Angela Hill finally seems to be putting everything together. Uh, and then kicking everything off, Priscilla Cachuea finally found somebody in the UFC worse than her in the form of Shayna Dobson. Uh, for the record, Cachuea coming into this was 0-3 in the UFC with a failed drug test along the way. Dobson was 0-2 with a professional record overall of just 3-3. Three three. Uh, Cachuea knocks her out 40 seconds with uh, the old bus driver uppercut there. Um, neither of these women should be in the UFC. That's all. I mean, gr- look, my, yeah, I- I'm happy to say Casuea, not a UFC caliber fighter, shouldn't be there. Great knockout, though. Fair play to that. That was a good, that was, uh, is a good knockout. And that is, I believe, officially the fastest finish of any kind in UFC women's flyweight history. So, you match up a couple of people that are on the lower end of the spectrum, and sometimes you get a quick knockout. All right, Jeff, quick hits. What do you got for the rest of that? What stands out to you? Hold on. All right. Uh, very, let's see. Priscilla uh, Cachoeira, Eha. Got a good, nice one. Um, how did Angela Hill actually has three wins in a row now? Yep. Surprisingly. Um, taking this one on uh, short notice paid off for her. She fought basically, what, four weeks apart? Uh, something twice, like that. Twice in four weeks, so good for her. Yeah, she fought it. She fought uh, Hannah Cyphers on January 25th, and then here on the 23rd of February. So, yeah, less than 30 days, I think. Yeah, that woman is on a crazy pace. That's it for me, though. All right, yeah, that. Uh, that was the event, such as it was. I know this event kind of got overshadowed by the big fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, which 
you know, credit to them. They just made they just broke the record for the biggest live gate for a heavyweight title fight in the history of Las Vegas. And I if you're interested, early plug, Mark Radlich and I, despite a few technical hiccups, did some uh, alternate commentary watch along stuff for that fight that you can find. And we had a good time talking about it. So again, that that's kind of where the combat sports world was focused, though. So this this event kind of fell a little bit by the wayside. But to anyone who did read, be that live or after the fact, I thank you very much. To those of you that commented, thank you doubly. Uh, I I don't this is I don't mandate that anyone comment on my stuff, but it's the only metric I have that I have easy access to. So. I appreciate you guys for reading. I really do. Okay. Um, oh, boy. Oh, boy. I, this coming week, let's go ahead and just dig into this dog. UFC on ESPN Plus 27. They will be in Norfolk, Virginia. There's going to be a UFC title fight on ESPN Plus. Yeah, so... Gonna be a UFC title fight. Yeah, so was the first UFC event on ESPN Plus. But it's it's gonna be Joseph Benavidez hopefully winning the first UFC title of his career, unless it's David Davison Figueredo. Uh, I believe that would just be Figueredo. The, okay, I I've looked up a little bit about like how the rules for this work. If it's a if it's a word if it's a name that starts with an R, it's an H, and I think if it's two R's together in the middle of a word, it's an H. Otherwise, it's an R. So I don't know that it's a Portuguese, and then you spread that between Brazilian Portuguese and Portugal Portuguese, and uh, it's a thing. Okay, now apologies to Davison Figueiredo. So. Okay, you so, think no, no. any chance of becoming the next UFC flyweight champion? Hey, hang on, hang on. Put aside the main event for just a second. Okay. Look at the rest of that card. That is a terrible card. <laughs> it is an EFC, uh, uh, ESPN Plus card. Even and for it, e- even. Is, do you think the, the people of Norfolk, Virginia are happy they're getting a UFC title fight? Even if it's a highway title, you know I imagine they are. But man, this is a this is an ugly card. Uh, okay, so the main event, I'm not going to throw got any... ten thousand people to New Zealand yesterday. Yeah, and they and again that was actually a pretty decent card, even on paper. You know, not the greatest, yeah. but and the gate broke over a million dollars, so that's not bad. An ESPN Plus card, Auckland. Well, okay, if you want to come... Yeah, that one did good. Uh, Yeah. Look, I know we're in the... Mainly on the strength of Hooker being the headliner. You know, he's an Auckland native. Well, you had him, you had Kai Kara-France, who's also a New Zealander with a big following in New Zealand. Right. Uh, And buried on the prelims because flyweights. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, anyway, this upcoming event... Megan Anderson's on this card. There's two women's featherweight fights on this card. I can't defend it. That is indefensible. What do you have against women's featherweight? 
It's a bad division? Well, now they're putting fights on for that division. Isn't that technically good? I don't know. Not if they're bad fights. Anderson's uh, okay. Uh, we'll tell you, we'll get through the we'll get through the bulk of that card in a second. But the main event, whatever else I want to say about the rest of the card, again I'm on record. This is a this is the uh, this is the south end of a northbound mule, as the old saying goes. Like right. this is this is ass for the apart from the main event. All that said, I am emotionally rooting for Joseph Benavides. I think if Benavides wins, they'll just retire the division. Okay. I think if Figueredo wins, they're going to retire the division. Maybe. I think the UFC has no interest in actually building flyweight as a division in the sport. I, I still like Joseph Benavidez, and I want to see him win the UFC title before he ends his career. Is there Here some? Is there, am I well, wrong for wanting that? No. Am I a bad person? Look, if you want to, I've wanna... been a Joseph Benavidez fan for like over ten years. If you want to rename it the Joseph Benavides Memorial Belt before they hand it to him and retire the division because they don't care about it, sure. Okay. Uh, Title win is a title win, you know? And I want that to happen for him. It's it's the one thing thing that's eluded him his whole career. It eluded Uriah Faber. Think of everything Uriah Faber has done in his career. The one thing he never got was the UFC title. Had plenty of shots at it, though. Exactly. And, and so is Benavides. This is his third, third. time at the belt, correct? Uh, yeah, so he's still like five shots behind Faber. Right. So some guys never get that shot. I, I want this to happen for him really badly. I mean, for the people who are emotionally attached to Benavidez, I get it. I really do. He's un, he's a well-spoken guy. He seems like a genuinely nice person. He's been in the trenches. He shows up. He fights. He's put he on very engaging fights. In, was a top five fighter in two divisions. Arguably a top pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. There was probably a time when he was in the top ten pound-for-pound. Pound. of his career. And I only say that because he was successful in two divisions. Yeah, he was fairly successful at bantamweight. You can't tell me he was. You can't tell me he wasn't top five in, at one thirty-five when he moved down, because he definitely was. Definitely, easily. When did he, when did he move down? I, that, um, I need to remember. I need to remember when that happened. Like eight years ago, when they that started. Twelve. Uh, okay, so two thousand twelve. Bantamweight in 2012. So basically early 2012 is when he moved. Yeah, he's, he, was pro- he was probably top five. After, Solid, solidly after, top ten, if not. After Cruz, after Cruz he, won his, he won his next uh, three fights at Bantamweight. Finished Wagner, Fabiano, uh, beat Ann Loveland and Eddie Wineland. So there you go. If he wasn't top five, he was very solidly top ten. And Eddie Wineland fought for the Bantamweight title after that loss, so just saying. Yes, when he moved down, there would have been Cruz, probably Cruz, Faber, Burrell. Yeah, yeah, I can see him being number four or five. 
at bantamweight at the time. Right. You can't you can't debate you can't debate your way out of that one. So I'm not not trying to. So he's done he's accomplished a lot, but this is the one thing he's never been able to obtain. So I want this to happen for him. Not to mention Robert, he's the last. Uh, Benavides is the last guy to have a win over the undefeated champion. Uh, he's not he's the champion. champion. What was that? He's not the champion anymore. The guy, the last guy to hold the UFC flyweight title. He is the last man to beat Henry Cejudo. Uh, yeah. To hold the win over Cejudo. So much, much as I think he shouldn't have won that fight, yes, that's that's, okay. that's true. Okay, but the first man, the first Olympic gold medalist to become a UFC champion. So Benavides has accomplished and done a lot. This is the one thing he has never obtained in his career, and whether it gets retired or not, I really want this to happen for him. So I hope it does, but. Because I'm hoping for it, I'm I'm kind of thinking, I'm cursing, I'm cursing him with Clucky by wanting it so much. This is about as safe a fight as they could make for Benavides. You say that now. You sit. People say that, and then it, then the exact opposite happens. Well, uh, this is not a fight that, uh, this is not a like ten to one odds type of fight. Okay, I'm not saying that, but. Figueredo is not, I would not call him a world beater, but he is, he's a tough opponent. He's a tough fight. He is tough. He brings a lot of power to 125. He's willing to attack the body. Um, And he's not a, he's not a spring, he's not young. He's not spring chicken, but he's younger than Benavides. Benavides has a lot more fights, a lot more miles on him. If you want to know why I would lean so heavily towards Joseph Benavides here, what? D- Davison Figueredo was comprehensively out wrestled and out grappled by uh, Juicier Formiga. Right. I have no problem believing Joseph Benavides could simply replicate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Benavides uh, d- 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 he hasn't been out that long, but he hasn't fought since end of June. That's the other thing. Yeah, there's a bit of a layoff there, but it's not. It's not a huge layoff. Like it's not over a year, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I again, I expect Benavides to win this. It only took you know. Benavides, I'm rooting for you, buddy. Go get your UFC title. It only took the UFC actively gutting the division and then two uh, the two best fighters in the division leaving it. Okay. Are but, you are you really gonna are you really if if Benavidez pulls it off, are you really just going to be like, Benavidez, you're garbage, congrats? Because that's basically how you're I would it. Hold on, hold on. I would never say the man is garbage. He's a great fighter. Yeah. I'm also not going to pretend that the circumstances around this aren't what the circumstances okay. are. That's Again, look, that said, if he He's gets still it... still the last guy to ha- hold a win over the, the, the former champion. Yeah. Look, these are the two guys that should be fighting for the belt. Argu- ar- ar- no, arguably it should be Benavides and Cejudo. If I okay, sure. If Cejudo wasn't Cejudo and was never going to come back to flyweight to begin with, okay. Well, that's yeah. what he said he was going to do. Yeah, if you believe that, I've got beachfront property in Oklahoma. To I'm say. not 
I'm not saying I believed it. I'm saying that's what he promised to do, and that's what he claimed he was going to do. And my point is, arguably, that should have been the fight. If there was any realistic chance that he was actually going to defend the flyweight title, yeah, it should have been him and Benavides. Benavides, it Benavides was the number one contender. Okay, but yeah, I'm picking. I'm I'm picking Benavides, and I'm emotionally rooting for Benavides, and. I'm disappointed. I want the record to show I'm disappointed that Robert is constantly raining on my parade that I'm rooting for Benavides. Root for who you want to root for. I can't stop you, nor would I, nor would I if I could. Uh, yeah, I expect Benavides to win. He's the better fighter in by almost every technical measurement. So I hope he gets his feel-good moment, and I fully... Hey, hey. You know, we talk about guys who deserve moments like that. If anyone deserves it, a guy like Ben Benavidez does. Yeah. The part of me that wants to watch the world burn is very curious what would happen if Figueredo won. <laughs> because I... Again, I don't think the UFC likes this division. I don't think they're happy that it's there. And I'm surprised it wasn't dissolved. I'm yeah, kept it going. I really am too. Like after after Cejudo won the vacant bantamweight title after that Morais fight, seems like that would have been the time for them to go. Okay, you're the 135 pound champion. We're not going to have a champion at 125 anymore. I mean, I, I imagine this fight card and the ESPN deal is probably the reason why. Yeah, they want they like having another title in rotation, but I think they feel that 125 is like an albatross around their neck, like they can't do anything with it. And some of that's on them, some of that's on the fighters, some of that's on the marketplace. We've kind of been over that a fair bit over the years. Uh I will say this, to whatever degree this card succeeds, it is all on those top two guys. No one else on this card is drawing anything approximating interest from the fan I base. Think, I think it never. I think it never helped flyweight from the beginning that we had that um, the way that um, the Uncle Creepy Mighty Mouse fight went. I think it kind of just soured things. Uh, the lack of uh, yeah, Robert when that was when that should have been a draw. Robert Proper judging, doing math, doing math. And yeah, we should have just had that fourth round for that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, there's that. There's was the draw, but it was supposed to get a sudden death round. I think that didn't help. I mean, here's the other thing about it: you can go back and rewatch if you can the first the fight for the vacant belt between DJ and Benavides. And after about two rounds, the crowd is booing. There's nothing about that fight that needs to be that should be booed. That was a good fight, as a, I recall. Yeah, it was a really good fight. And yeah, the crowd just not into that fight at all. And it just got off to a rough start. Like I always what always surprised me is after Johnson straight out knocked Benavidez to next week in the first round. Fans still didn't like or accept Demetrius Johnson for the most part. Yeah, 
I, I thought that was going to be his moment where he became like been. a star. If it wasn't, I mean, you think about all the spectacular things that DJ did, and none of them elevated him really. Like they, ne- he never got his moment to kind of push through. You know, uh, many he had many great moments like that throughout his, you know, epic run, historic run. I mean, he threw. Ray Borg into the air and caught him with an arm bar. Ah, <laughs> like, uh, it it yeah. For whatever reason, you know, DJ never connected with the wider fan base, and you can ascribe that to whatever you want to ascribe it to. I guess so. That's your main event again. Benavides and Figueredo. It's a good fight. It's again for the vacant strap, which. I'm not sure Flyweight is still around in 2021. We'll see. I'm surprised it's still around in 2020, but... Yeah. Okay, no, no. You know what? I want this fight to go to a draw. (laughs) That would be... That would definitely be the end of it. There we go. There we go. I I found it. I found my... I found what I'm rooting for. (laughs) You're a mean person, Robert. I have to find joy in this sport where I can... And on occasion, that means okay. What's the what's the craziest scenario? You probably want the the Astros World Series title to get taken away too. No, because that wouldn't really affect anything going forward. Like I I don't care if the UFC I might well let me be let me be clear I would care if they you know retroactively did some stuff but you know I'm like if it's something like this like okay now these two fight to a draw. And let's see how, because if you'll if you'll recall back in the day, there was uh, the UFC used to have the UFC spent time without a lightweight division. Uh, there were they Jens Pulver was the champion. He wound up walking away from the UFC for money reasons. Uh, they had a rematch between BJ Penn and Kaul Uno for the vacant belt. When that went to a draw, they threw their hands up in the air, said no more lightweight title. They would still have lightweight fights on occasion, but there was no champion for a period of like four to five years before they reintroduced it. And maybe something similar is in the future for flyweight, where they still have some flyweight fights, but they're waiting for the uh, between... The, the need to get more guys into the division and for the marketplace to maybe be more receptive to it. I, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what winds up happening, if they just kind of put flyweight on ice for a period of years and then try to reintroduce it. Anyway, um, I think... Rearrange your weight classes. <sighs> so what would they change it to? Um... I don't know, do a 165 or 160, 130. I suppose that's a thought. Add one nine, add something in between middleweight and light heavyweight, maybe. I think if they're going to add a division, it needs to be 165. Mm-hmm. I, think that's the, I think that's the one that like makes the most sense. Okay. Uh, anyway, at... I'm just going to – we're just going to do quick hits, I think, for the rest of this card because 
I'm going to read this out to you guys, and you can tell me whether or not you think I am being unfair to this card on paper. Now, let me be clear. We're talking about two people who are going to get in the cage and fight. It might be great in practice. I That is my eternal caveat. I am not... I am not going to say that this card has no potential to be good. It certainly has an outside shot at being very good. It has an outside shot at being watchable. Do I like those odds? Not really, but hey, I've been wrong in the past. Here's the rest of this card. Your co-main event is Felicia Spent at Women's Featherweight. Felicia Spencer and Zara Farin Dos Santos. I imagine Felicia Spencer will win, but it's Women's Featherweight. It's not a real division in the UFC. A light heavyweight fight between Iwan Kutalaba and Magomed Ankalaev. If there is another fight on the main card you're looking forward to, it's probably this one, because those two are both crazy. Uh, for the record, I like Ankalaev. Another women's featherweight fight between Megan Anderson and Norma Dumont-Viana. Uh, if Megan Anderson can't win this, I mean, she submitted actually one half of the co-main event, uh, Zara Farin Dos Santos. But this is really kind of make or break for Megan Anderson. Like, if she can't pull this one off. Eh. And then there's a bantamweight fight between Gabriel Silva and Kyler Phillips. Uh, are they both making their debuts? I feel like they are. Hang on. Let me confirm. Uh, Gabriel Silva, no, he lost to Ray Borg last year. Okay, vaguely remember that. And Kyler Phillips is making his UFC debut. Um, yeah, I don't know. Go with Phillips, I don't know. Then on the preliminary portion of this card, we have Giga Chikadze versus the vaunted to be determined. This was supposed to be him and Mike Davis. Davis pulled out with an injury. We don't know if there's going to be a replacement yet. Uh, there's a fight at middleweight between Brendan Allen and Tom Breeze. Hey, remember when Tom Breeze was going to be a thing? Yeah, I do. That's how long I've been watching this. <laughs> How long I've been around. Um, yeah, he last fought when he beat Dan Kelly in May of 18. There's a real chance that fight doesn't actually happen. Tom Breeze is kind of a history of that. Um, Brendan Allen, by contrast, uh, won his UFC debut over Kevin Holland last year. I'll go with Breeze, but probably shouldn't. There's a heavyweight fight between Marcin Tibora and Sergei Spivak. Please just let it end quickly. A lightweight fight between Luis Pena and pulling double duty, the vaunted to be determined. Uh, Pena was supposed to fight Alexander Munoz. That fight got scrapped. We're not sure if he's going to be there or someone else is going to be there. I feel okay picking Luis Pena in the dark. I'm not a big fan of his skill set, but he's a solid fighter. So, again, I feel pretty safe in the dark there. And the UFC likes him, so they're giving him more favorable matches. They haven't really thrown him to the Wolves. Um, at featherweight, Jordan Griffin will fight TJ Brown. Uh, let's see here. Brown. 
making his UFC debut after a win on the Contender Series. Griffin's fought in the UFC a couple of times, uh, losing to Dan Ige and Chaz Skelly, so I don't like his odds. Uh, another featherweight fight, Alon Cruz, A-A-L-O-N. Where's he from, actually? In the United States. Uh, all right, I'm going with Alon until I hear otherwise. Cruz, he's making his UFC debut. Another Contender Series guy. Oh, he won't be a flying knee on the Contender Series. Yeah, that'll that'll get Dana White's attention. He is fighting Spike Carlisle. Uh, who is also making his UFC debut. Can you see why I'm not terribly high on this card? And uh, there's a fight. I don't know if we have its location on this event yet between Grant Dawson and Derek Minner. Uh, Dawson, I was kind of interested to see. He's been in the UFC a couple of times. Wins over Julian Arosa and Mike Trezano. Uh, whereas Minner, I believe, is making his debut in the UFC. Uh, yes, he is. So go with Dawson there. Again, Dawson, uh, just I don't know. He's only fought twice, but he looked okay both times. And kicking off everything, uh, we have Ismail Narudiev, the Austrian wonder boy. Uh, that is his actual nickname. Who has gone two and one in the UFC, coming off a win over C.R. Bahadur Zada, fighting Sean Brady, who is undefeated and uh, beat Court McGee in his UFC debut. I feel pretty good picking Narudiev there. Uh, I kind of like Narudiev. Uh, he had he had the one setback in the UFC, but there's a lot good about his game. So that's the rest of this card. Jeff, by all means, the floor is yours. What are you looking forward to? Ipso facto. (laughs) Habeas corpus. Well, there'll be a corpus, all right. Uh, Yeah, this is... It's a dog of a card on paper. I can't say it any other way. I hope it delivers in practice. I really do. Not just for the people who are in attendance, but selfishly, I'm going to be watching this. I don't want it to suck. So if you would like to follow along and save yourself watch having to watch it, you can check in with my live coverage of this this coming Saturday in the MMA zone of 411mania.com. So please stop by, say hello. Again, even if the card's bad, come on, throw a little support my way. It gets lonely doing this. Uh, I will throw support your way, Robert. I'm sure you will up until we get our draw on the main event. Then you'll blame me for that. I will. (laughs) If if there is a draw, I will blame you. For the record, if there is a draw, it will in no way be my fault. (laughs) I have zero control over any of that. Yeah. It will be your fault because you conjured it into reality. If I had the power to conjure fight results into reality through simply speaking them, uh, the world would be a very different place. I mean, that's all I'm saying. All right. 
Um, there's not a lot of news to talk about. Um, Tyson Fury won the rematch with uh, Deontay Wilder. Tyson Fury beat that man from pillar to post. He beat he beat up Deontay Wilder like Deontay Wilder owed him owed him money, keyed his car, and insulted his mother. And then he licked the blood off of his skin after yep. the fight. That was oh, no, no, during during the fight. Oh, that was okay. during the fight. Uh, it's like that was like something BJ Penn did against Sean yeah. Shirk. He did that to Sean Shirk. In fact, when Sean Shirk was crumpled against the fence, BJ ran over to get more blood off of his face right. to then lick. Right. He didn't lick it directly off. No, he got it. He he went back over and got yeah, some on his hand. Exactly. Exactly. This was even more sanitary. Um, come on, but don't you think the score in that first fight was garbage? Pretty much, yeah. Fury should have won that fight. Don't you think it's a little dirty that they had to do this rematch to get like the? It's almost like this is what was supposed to happen. No, this is just what did happen. You were like someone could have been scored Canelo for that. There's a okay. There's a long running gag for the yeah. if you let uh, that Mark and I have yeah. about how Canelo Alvarez will never be allowed to lose a decision because boxing is corrupt. Right. So I so we occasionally joke that in fights that do not actually feature Canelo, someone is scoring the fight for Canelo Alvarez. So you don't think that draw is a sign of corruption in boxing? Uh, it wouldn't shock me if it was. Okay. Uh, that said, the reason I kind of don't think this was what was, you know, supposed to happen, put supposed in air quotes. Yeah. Fury could have just done this the first time in some ways. Fury, what's weird is Fury looked in better shape, I think, for the first fight. He, wa he yeah. was. He was 16 pounds heavier for this fight than their yeah. first one. Of course, so was Wilder. What, Deontay uh, Wilder. What, what do you attribute to that? He put on muscle. So did, uh, for yep. the record, hang, hang on, for the record, so did Deontay Wilder. Right. Deontay Wilder officially for this fight weighed 230-something. His last fight a few months ago in, against uh, Ortiz, he only weighed 219. There was so much showmanship for this fight, though. I was sort of... Oh, I loved it. Really? I, I don't love it every time. Okay. But... You know, Tyson Fury in the robe and crown on that motorized uh, litter that looked like it was being carried. Yeah. You know what? I'm so used to the overly homogenized, utterly replaceable UFC product yeah. that a little flavor from flamboyant personalities like those two, I can dig it on occasion. But here's my thing. There was so much of it. I was Whenever that happens, I worry how seriously they're taking the fight. And is it a sign that they're not taking the fight seriously or they didn't train seriously? Um, I don't know. Uh, really? That the Those kind of elaborate entrances in boxing are yeah. much more common. They happen all the time. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not at all a reflection of training methodologies. Okay. Or I'm, ju I'm just curious because I don't... No, no, no. I, if, I, if you I watch a lot of like MMA or UFC specifically... Yeah, they go yeah. they go out of their way to strip their fighters of personality when they're on their broadcasts. Like, no, you get to walk out of the yeah. same entrance and everybody gets to wear the same stupid Reebok gear. 
it's true. Yeah, Tyson Fury always has some kind of funky entrance, and if you have a taste for them, and you may not, and your mileage may vary, but he always has something when he comes out. I mean, his big return fight from his... Uh, I think it was his big return when he fought uh, Wilder, actually, when that, that wasn't his big return, but when he fought Wilder, he I think that was the one he came out to the ring doing the dance routine that Apollo does in Rocky Four. He had the American robe and the American hat. I might be forgetting the... Okay. I might be forgetting the fight in particular, so I apologize if I am. Does does Fury does Fury Anthony Joshua happen now? No. Why not? The politics of boxing. I mean, I feel like Wilder versus Joshua should have happened. Probably should have. Uh, look, Anthony Joshua is in a really weird spot contractually because he is exclusive to fighting on DAZN. Like, why was, like, why was Joshua even fighting Andy Ruiz? I think Ruiz might have been a mandatory. A what? He might have been a mandatory challenger. Every, was... every, hang on, every, every one of those belts that you hold, each, uh, each organization that's that recognizes that belt. So you have to say the WBC, right? Right. By way of example, there are fighters who can er, can within a specific window of time become mandatory title challengers. Right. So you then have to defend your belt against that person or forfeit it. Okay. And Ruiz, again, Ruiz might have been one of those. I forget the specifics of that. Do you think at the time Ruiz deserved a f- that fight against Joshua going into that fight? Yeah. It was 32 and 1, but. I mean, I didn't it, I didn't hate it. It's. Okay. Again, there's a lot. I mean. It was. Oh, yeah. Man, that man changed his life in some respects, not for the better with that fight. I mean, uh, you know, if we look at, say, the aftermath of Fury... Hang on. He kind of gave up after that fight, clearly. That man was was in no way prepared for the amount of success that came with that victory. (laughs) Just none. And... Or he was, and he just mentally checked, like, okay, I I got the big win. I'm I'm checked out now. Well, well, there is in the wake of this fight between Fury and Wilder a bit of a discussion about... Happened with Buster Douglas. Happened with, uh, I mean, it happened to much a much better fighter than Buster Douglas. Um, it happened to, uh, hang on, crap, isn't it? Roberto Duran, believe it or not. Oh. Yeah. When he beat Sugar Ray Leonard the first time. Uh, he was not supposed to win that fight by a lot of people's reckoning. Mm-hmm. Puts a beating on Leonard. And to Leonard's credit, he did what most champions in that position do nowadays. They, they invoked their mandatory rematch clause for as soon as possible because Duran went back to Panama and was a hero mm-hmm. and spent two to three weeks not, you know, three weeks might be a bit much, but went back and partied and enjoyed his victory for a little bit. You know, a week after the first fight, Sugar Ray's back in the gym getting ready for a fight in three months. And so you, accelerating that timetable as much as you can is a very real thing. It's kind of what Joshua did to Ruiz, too. Like, okay, you beat me. Rematch in six months, and Andrew Ruiz spent a lot of time partying and not getting back in the gym. 
Whereas, you know, Joshua was like, okay, I'm not, I was embarrassed. That's not going to happen to me again. And with Holly Holm, it's not like her, it's not that she mentally like kind of checked out after she beat Ronda, but she kind of peaked with that Ronda fight, basically. Yeah, there's a difference between fighters who check out when they win the big one and fighters who just happen to peak with it. But, I mean, but like, I think Ruiz, I get the sense he just, he won the big one, checked out after that fight. I mean, uh, Misha Tate kind of won the big one and then checked out mentally. Like, it, it happens a lot. Maybe. And again, not completely, but, you know. <laughs> the fact that she had all those issues I, coming into the Nunes fight. Ruiz, let's see. Something else. Okay. How old is Ruiz? Oh, 30-something, I think. Is he in his 30s? Most, most high-level heavyweights are. He's 30 years old. Okay, so younger than I thought, actually. Um, I don't know. I feel like he should not have done what he did for that Joshua remake, rematch at all. No, no, he, he botched not that paid. hard. He did, not, he did not take that fight seriously. He clearly did, did not. No, he... Deserved, well, after the after fight, the I think fight, one of the... He, he admitted it. He deserved to lose that fight. He didn't train. Yeah, one of the things he said after that, after the second fight, was I expected it to be just like the first one. Buddy, you were the only one who thought that. Mm. So, yeah, uh, we got that fight. So, yeah, you got the... should fight Fury, though. Again, it won't happen, but... It'd be good for boxing. It would be good to have the one mega heavyweight champion, I suppose you could argue, again. I mean... You, whichever you could run that fight a couple times at least, depending on how it goes. Oh yeah, there would be if Fury won, there would be an immediate rematch. If Joshua won, you could have an immediate rematch because it would be the first loss of his career. Correct. No, uh, you're you're used to thinking of this in MMA terms. Uh, Fury would have if Fury were to lose. Yeah. I'm not sure there's a ma- I'm not sure he could invoke a mandatory immediate rematch for his title. I'm just saying look how many times how many times did Holyfield and Riddick Bow fight? Oh. Like several times. 3 right? I think, 3 or 4. Multiple times. So yeah. it happen- my point is it happens in boxing too. Yeah. Boxing have- boxing's a lot more uh rematch friendly than MMA is. In That's a lot of ways. Saying. Yeah, again, you could, but there's some there's some political and logistical realities that are going to prevent that from happening, I think. Okay. But I mean, good on but good on Tyson Fury uh getting the TKO win. Yeah, that was that was a masterful fight from Tyson Fury. And I imagine WWE is going to make a hard play to get Fury again at WrestleMania, which Fury was open to. Four. Fury's probably looking for his exit from boxing at this point. I mean, and in fairness, the man just made $25 million at a minimum for that fight. Provided he takes care of his money and he doesn't have a lot of, you know, vultures and leeches destroying his finances. Well, he made, I'm trying to think, because he and Deontay Wilder each both made $5 million guaranteed fight purse. Right. And then I think they were each also guaranteed $20 million each. All right. 
Uh, so some of that, that has to go to taxes, though, right? Yeah. Even well, even actually, even they were no, no, no. Hang on. Hang on. American. Uh, they were in Vegas, actually. That changes things. Um, part of the reason Vegas gets so many fights is their uh, some of their tax laws as it pertains to people who come in and then work there. Okay, but so so you're saying because he's Irish and because he's fighting in Vegas, he doesn't know any. He's English. Oh no, there'd be something, but not. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's English. He's he's British. Yeah. Okay. Does he have to? If you're a British fighter, do you owe any of your fight purse to England in taxes? Uh, I imagine there's some. I, I don't actually. I actually don't know where he lives. I know he's British by nationality. I don't know where he makes his home. His family. His family is. He's of Irish descent. Some of it, yeah. He was born in England to an Irish family. Yeah, I mean, when he calls himself the Gypsy King, that's not uh, that's not a gimmick. His people were the kind of the wandering gypsies. Irish, Irish travelers. They're Irish travelers. Um, okay. See, I don't know. Again, I don't know specifically, but he's so he's banked guaranteed twenty five million. That's before any cut of the gate, before any cut of the pay per view. Assuming he does gets those. Yeah. Does he get? Does he get those for this fight? I don't know. Uh, I imagine he would, but I could be wrong. I'm sure. I'm sure he. But WrestleMania could be a huge payday for him, depending on what they set up for him. I mean, he got what a million plus for that thing in Saudi Arabia with Braun. Possibly. I mean, they might. Vince might want him to wrestle Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Who knows? Or King. Oh, you just made Mark Radlich so happy. <laughs> not not a joke. One of the things he Fury said. Versus- at- he could get Fury versus Lesnar for the. He could. They could be like, screw Drew McIntyre. We're going to give the titles out to Tyson Fury. Not a joke. This came up between Mark and I ta- when we did commentary yeah. last night. Mark said, I want Tyson Fury to show up on Monday Night Raw and pilmanize Drew McIntyre's head with a chair and give me Fury Lesnar at WrestleMania. Well, that would make. I mean, that would kind of make uh, Fury. Uh, Lesnar would have to do that, and then Fury would have to be like the valiant babyface who helps Drew McIntyre. Uh, for, the, for the record, if they do that, yeah. I don't care the angle. The IWC would riot, and it would be great to watch. I mean, it it would be interesting. The, the fan base would lose their minds, not in a good way. Uh, yeah, Fury's kind of looking at his exit from uh, mixed martial arts and or not mixed martial arts from boxing. Maybe uh, he goes to UFC. I doubt it. They will not pay him that much. I mean, in all seriousness, I don't think this is a joke. That fifth, that let's just take the guaranteed money, the guaranteed fifty million that those two made because they were each yeah. guaranteed at the end of the day twenty five. The UFC will not pay their entire heavyweight division in all of twenty twenty fifty million dollars. Um, I don't think there were, were. I don't think there were any other major fight announcements in the last week. Uh, yeah. Let me see. We got one. Uh, we got an announcement of your, of, excuse me, Valentina Shevchenko's next victim. Oh, good. She will be fighting Joanne Calderwood at UFC 251. Uh, 
that fight actually. Uh, Joanne's probably the Joanne's probably the next contender. I don't. It's not unfair. I mean, I don't think she's gonna win, but I mean, good for good for JoJo. I hope you all enjoy the way her face looks now, because it will not look that way later. I mean, it's a pretty thin division for her to be one and one and getting a title shot, but. It's a Whatever. horribly thin. It's a horribly thin division. She is it's, three, and she is three and two at flyweight, though. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a. It's an incredibly thin division. There's no other way to say it. I um, hope her manager is negotiating, like I don't know, something for that fight. I hope she has a good manager. Uh, let's see. I think the only other two big things, big news bits, were. One of them was Diego Sanchez's snake oil salesman uh, made a few media rounds after he got criticized roundly by everyone with a functional brain following the last event. Because um, he took the DQ win, which was arguably it was smart. That's the argument Diego Sanchez is making. I mean, it was smart. He got it. He, he got the win. He took the win. Hey, look! That man doubled his money taking that lot, taking that way out. I don't blame and him. Michelle Pejera, or, or, or wait, Pejera? Am, am I missing that up? Pereira. I, I go I, at the moment. I'm going with Pereira, but I don't know. I've heard it okay. Pereira. I've heard it Pejera. I've heard it some combination of the two. So Michelle Pereira is, has one of the lowest fight IQs in the sport and fights like a moron. So. I'm not too upset. Yeah, uh, if you got, for the record, if you want to laugh, uh, go listen to Sanchez's corner man, uh, Pineda, I think is his last name. Because he did an interview with with Ariel Helwani. He did one with Luke Thomas. Feel free to take any clip of him talking and try very hard not to imagine the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme in your head every time he speaks. Uh, he's... Okay. He's a nut job. Like he is, he is unable to answer simple direct questions. So there was that. Uh, Henry Cejudo made a racist comment, but hey, what's new? What did Henry Cejudo say? Uh, okay, let me preface this. I'm not up in arms about this, but I'd like to acknowledge that what he said was a little racist. Uh, he called Aljamain Sterling Aljamima. Well, oof. I mean, again, is this the worst thing any fighter's ever said to another fighter? Absolutely not. Is this the worst racist thing that's been said by a UFC fighter in the last six months? No. People um, have been canceled on Twitter for less. Let me just say that. That is very true. And again, I'm, I am not up in arms over this one. But can we at least acknowledge that on the scale, again, if you want to say there's a continuum of things from all the way from. Karen Bryant says it was racist. Yeah. And look, here's the again. Is this the worst thing ever said? She deleted. She deleted the tweet. She was not happy. She should have left it. She's right. It is racist. Like, again, is this the worst racist thing? No. Why did she delete? Did someone tell her to delete the tweet? Probably. Does she work? Does she still work for? Does she work for ESPN or is she? In, she still does analyst work, doesn't she? I think she works for. Yeah, I think she works for uh, either the UFC or ESPN, one of the two. 
Someone probably told her to take it down. Yeah, but okay, it, look, it's a slightly, it's a, it's on the, if there is a dividing line between stuff that is not racist and stuff that is racist, it's on the racist side of that. That's, look, I don't think Henry Cejudo is a racist. I think he's just saying I stupid he things. Was, he was, tro- he was trolling. He was trying to, he was, you know, that, that's his gimmick. Captain Cringe, right? He was trying to, you know, he he was he, trying to do the gimmick. I don't think, I don't think he is racist either. I th- but I think it was the wrong comment to make. You know, it's a it is a somewhat racist thing to say, and we can say that it is without saying he's yeah. a fun. He's I, a racist to his. It kid. is it it, it it is race. It is racist. But I think he was just he was just trying to be funny. Yeah, I mean, Henry Cejudo's gimmick right now is every 14-year-old middle schooler who's finally discovered I can say these things that I've been told I can't say. Right. That's that's all he's got going for him, so... But it it works. Generally, it works. Just probably should avoid using racial humor. I don't know. Does it work? I mean, it worked for it worked for Cejudo. Look at him now. Yeah, but you know, when you say look at him now, he's a, he's the freak. He's the champion. He's the first Olympic medalist. I, I'm not. Hang on. I'm not talking at all. Not not talking at all about his athletic accomplishments. Okay. okay. He has it achieved. Helped. He has achieved a lot. We have zero evidence that any of his gimmick is translating to him making more money or being a bigger star. I, think, I mean, can you prove it hasn't? I don't need to prove that it hasn't. There's nothing to prove that it has. If we're talking about I, star power, but I, I think it has, it has helped build his star power. I mean, a chunk, I imagine a chunk of the audience is talking about him in derisive ways that they weren't before. But he hasn't fought since he really kind of ga- since he really leaned into it either. So we won't know until he fights. Then we'll have evidence. The Marais, the Marais fight. Yeah, because he hasn't fought since then. What was the buy rate for the Marais fight? It was the uh, I don't remember. That would have been under the ESPN deal, so we might not have a decent number. <laughs> I haven't seen. Uh, I mean. It did. It did decent gate in attendance wise, but I don't know what kind of num- pay per view numbers it did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Cejudo's uh, also making noise that he wants to uh, fight Alexander Volkanovsky for the featherweight title. Yeah, yeah. No, he doesn't want that. Volkanovsky would smash uh, him. Sonya made a kind of a nine eleven comment about uh, Paula Costa. It's, uh, I must have missed that one. <laughs> Here, I have it from uh, MMA Fighting. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Where is it? Here. Oh, okay. He's human like everyone else. Everyone likes to make this myth like he's like kicking steel. You can hit him. He doesn't fall. I'll touch him enough times that eventually he'll crumble like the Twin Towers. Okay, yeah, that's a little cringy. <laughs> Much as I hate using that, that's. I'm not saying fire the guy, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of offensive. Uh, so, yeah, a little. I 
I get like I get what you're trying to say. I just wouldn't say Twin Towers. Yeah, I, I not the uh, like, Phil Davis said crumble like a cookie. Like they're like say crumble like a cookie, and then no one's gonna get angry at you. Not the uh, not the simile I would have chosen. And here's what Costa said in response on Instagram. Adesanya, you are a disgusting piece of blank. How dare you make a joke disrespecting the thousands who died and the heroic firefighters and police. I will really kill you. Dirty Kiwi. So. Yeah, that's, so, the build to yeah. that fight's going to be just the height of sophistication. It's, those two I, do not like each other. I to call a guy out on, on making comments about 9-11. I wouldn't respond by saying you dirty Kiwi. That's not, that's, that's, I wouldn't say it's racist, but to me that's borderline. If, well, think about it like this. If he'd said you dirty Nigerian instead of you dirty Kiwi, how would you feel? I, I would feel that's definitely racist. Then it's a little racist. I mean... I think it's a little racist to call him a dirty Kiwi. It is. That's basic because that's basically calling him a dirty New Zealander. So yeah, those two. If that fight happens, yeah, they're gonna say a lot of stuff that they're both gonna regret. Uh, um, well. That said, still looking forward to Adesanya and Romero. Oh, that was the other kind of like sort of bit of news that came out this last week. I think uh, Cannoneer was supposed to be. I think playing backup for that fight after his Whitaker bout fell be, through. He should fight. He shouldn't be backup. He should be fighting for the title. Uh, he's out. I think he suffered a torn pec. Then and how they, is he in the backup? He's not. Like oh. he was playing. Like he they had kind of tapped him. Okay. In the wake of signing that, like okay, if he, something happens, we have a backup. They had I a think, press conference in New Zealand, and Adesanya was like, "If Romero misses weight, I might ask for Cannonier." Yeah, I think they said, I think over the last week they mentioned that Cannoneer like suffered a torn pack and is, uh, they might have also signed him and Darren Till for some time in the future. Because uh, I, I don't know that his injury was like surgery related, but just wouldn't be ready for that fight. So I think they mentioned something about him and Till. That might have just been rumor, not signed yet. So, But the roads just keep clearing up. By the way, I found up a follow-up by Henry Cejudo. He doubled down on it, didn't he? Yes, he did. Karen Bryan and I decided to be friends after all. I just decided to come up with a better nickname for Alja. I didn't didn't say this or write this. This is what he... I'm quoting Henry Cejudo. Aljo Mexicana. Hashtag all lives matter. So... Cejudo is definitely leaning into the cringe stuff. So there you go. You know, for as much as that man has accomplished athletically, you'd think somewhere along the way common sense might have gotten in there. I mean, it's like he's getting trained. He's getting media training for Colby Covington from Colby Covington or something. God, Covington at least. The thing about Covington is we have, like, demonstrable evidence that his shtick works to drive traffic. And Covington's also, like, if Covington had said Al Jemima about 
uh, Aljamain Sterling, uh-huh. he would he wouldn't like he just would have leaned into that. Like he wouldn't have well, he wouldn't Cejudo, have got back on it. It helps that Cejudo is a minority. It helps that there's this ridiculous notion out there in the world that only white people can be racist. Well, which is for the I record, get into a racial debate, but don't you think? If Cejudo was Caucasian, this would have been a lot worse for him. Yes. And I, I don't want to get it further than that, but uh, look, we're not here to. I'm not. We're not here to litigate it. You asked me a question about reality. Yeah, I think in reality it would have been worse. Because this was signal blasted a little bit, but not that much. But whatever. So, yeah, uh, I think that's everything I've got for, again, light news week. And, I, again, I have no desire to kind of go over what Diego Sanchez's coach said. Uh, his you know, long rambling oh. responses to questions. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't on last week, but I, I, I like the idea of Jones fighting Blahovic. I don't know if that fight will happen this year, but I would say go ahead and make that the next light heavyweight title fight. Yeah, I think he can give Reyes a rebound fight. Um, uh, oh, Chris White. I mean, Jones, what I will give Jones credit for, now he doesn't seem like, now, now he's at least open to fighting the top contenders, you know? Like five years ago, he'd always like, mo- he'd moan a little bit about some of the guys he'd have to fight. Not so much anymore. Yeah, there's and that. I, I respect that. Hey, look, the hardest thing to do in MMA is to be a champion, to just man your post and fight the next guy up consistently, year over year, event after event. That is the most difficult thing to do. That's why so few people are able to do it. Correct. So. Um, oh, like only a small thing. Uh, Chris Weidman, a couple of weeks ago, announced he was going back to middleweight. Uh, he got his opponent... Oh, crap. Who was it? I think it's his last chance, really. Uh, let me see if I can find that. It's not going to annoy me until I... Wouldn't you agree if he, you know, this is really his last chance to make something happen again? Uh, Jack Hermanson. Hermanson, that Ooh. was it. Tough fight. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Weidman. Sorry, Weidman, your career is, is ending. At the hands of Jack Hermanson. Yeah, Weidman really... He's been given a lot of chances and... That's a tough draw. I mean, for a, for a while... For a while, Weidman was actually a pretty consistent draw for the UFC. He's one of the few fighters who beat a, you know... I wouldn't say megastar in Anderson Silva, yeah. but a dominant force with a legitimate following, and actually got a bump in his personal at the popularity. Right, at the right time. Um, but, I mean, he he had three title defenses. It's not like he, yeah. he wasn't a one-hit wonder. But when he fell off, True. man, he fell off hard. Yeah. Because, yeah, he beat Silva twice, back-to-back. He beat at the right time, because he, de- he had a decent run. He wasn't, like, one in one and done once he got to that level he beat Machida. that was a tough fight he beat belfort then he lost the belt he never really recovered after he lost the belt you know uh brockhold gave him a beating 
Like uh, that fight should have been stopped much sooner than it was. And I think some of the results from that are still with him. I'm not saying this won't be a tough fight, but I, I, I believe like Weidman has to make something happen here. I'm not saying he would get cut with a loss, but like if he loses this, he's like he's in uh, he's irrelevant yeah, to, the, yeah. to the top I, of the division. As completely much as irrelevant. I hate to say it, but yeah, he's pretty much irrelevant if he doesn't win here. And again, I don't like saying that either, but I'm going to call it like I see it. If he loses this, because he tried to move, he tried to move up, and you know, because he was having trouble, you know, he's having trouble making the weight. I'd almost rather he have, yeah. I'd almost rather he'd try 205 one more time because I mean he fought Dom Reyes for his first right. time up there right. and that's a really tough draw. Right. Like give give him some middle of the pack light heavyweight and let's see how that plays. But even if he fought a lower level middleweight, I'm not even sure if he wins at this point. That's the thing. I'm I'm with you there. I am, as far as that goes. So, yeah, I, I do lean towards Hermanson. In that it's fight. not that I think Wyman is a bad fighter, but I feel like maybe his, you know, maybe his chin is starting to go, his chin might be shot. A little bit. Because um, it, it happens to every fighter at some point, even the toughest. Because, um, like, let's see. I would almost say give him Uriah Hall or Brad Tavares. Uh, Tavares, I could see. I mean, I feel like even Derek Bronson would give him trouble at this point. I would, would probably didn't, pick Bronson. Didn't they fight? Uh, let's see. Wyman and Bronson? I don't think they have, no. Okay, they might, they Honestly, might not have. I think that would be a better draw for him now than Hermanson, because I feel like I feel like it's a closer. No, Brunson and Weidman have not fought, okay. fought yet. I feel like that's a they're more. I feel like those two are a little more evenly matched now, don't you think? Yeah, a little. I mean, again, the big thing for Weidman at this point is that his chin is, if not shot, cracked, and Brunson brings power. Because. Well, well, oh, I mean, we got. Hang on, we got to wait for. Isn't Brunson fighting uh, Shabazian? He might. Yeah, he might be. But, but let's see. He got knocked in the last four years. He was knocked out four times. His yeah. last. His last five. His last five losses were all knockouts. Yeah, uh, that's a bad look. It's a the bad spot win, to be in. Lone win, the lone win was against uh, Gaslam in July 2017. So, yeah, I'm and right if, with you there. And he, if you'll he, remember, he got badly dropped. He got saved by the bell against Gaslam in that first round. Hopefully, I mean, he did have a good run, so hopefully he made some money and invested his money well. I'll agree on that. I mean, look, I mean, why again, Wyman has nothing to be ashamed of because – Fighter like, like Weidman wanted to fight John Jones and have <laughs> fights, and I mean it's good to have long term goals, but I mean sometimes some guys never even get close to sniffing what Weidman obtained. Yeah, you know he won the title. He he won Anderson Silva when it, uh, when Anderson had this unimaginable epic run. Won the rematch. Where he was still the underdog, and he stopped. He stopped Anderson Silva in back-to-back fights. Like right, that's then, that is a remarkable feat. 
then beat Leota Machida, a former champion, and Vitor Belfort, another former champion. So that's pretty, I mean, arguably he's had a Hall of Fame career when you think, you, going by the numbers. Yeah. I mean, he had a better title run than the guy who beat him for the belt. Has anyone defended the belt three times since uh, Weidman? I don't think so. Since Weidman, no, because it went Weidman, Rockhold. Rockhold lost it in his first defense against Bisbing. Bisbing, Bisbing lost it in his first defense against GSP. Oh, GSP. No, he, no, 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 no. Bisbing defended against uh, Henderson. Oh, yeah, he, he had, had the one fight with Henderson. <laughs> that, that was so bad, no one remembers it. So he had right. one. Um, GSP, Whitaker, uh, Whitaker became well, interim. GSP beat Bisbing. GSP vacated. Whitaker got promoted. Whitaker beat Romero non-title, then lost to Adesanya. So no. Apart, I think a, I have to. I'd have to double check how many times Rich Franklin defended. But Weidman has probably because Weidman has either the second or third most successful title defenses at middleweight. I think. Yeah. So I mean, he's he had a gr- he had a great run. So he is nothing behind about. Let's see. Uh, Franklin had two. So he defended the belt more than Rich Franklin. So he has. Yeah. You're right. He has the second most at middleweight in the UFC. Yeah, yeah that's that's a, yeah, that's certainly not nothing. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think that's everything I've got. So let me awesome. refresh Twitter real fast. Do. Uh, no, doesn't look like anything. Doesn't look like anything new has broken over the last little bit. So yeah, I think we can go ahead and get into plugs here. You've been gone for a couple of weeks, Jeff. So what would you like to plug? Okay. So here we go. Um, finally finished my review of The Mandalorian Season 1, the last two episodes. My review of uh, the number one movie, two weeks in a row, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh... Also, my review of the Season 7 debut of The Clone Wars. I will be reviewing the next episode. Um, And I'll continue to review, provided Disney continues sending me the episodes early. Uh, Next two reviews will be My Hero Academia Heroes Rising, which if you saw my coverage of the premiere, that's where I saw Rusev. Uh, So I'll be reviewing that film and Pixar's Onward. Onward was a good film. It starts out a little rough, but once it gets going, I feel like it's on par. Like it's definitely on par with Pixar's, you know, upper tier uh, work. Um, so I was, I thought it was very good. Is it Pixar's best movie? No, but is is it a good movie, enjoyable movie you can watch with friends and family? Uh, yes, I think so, and I definitely enjoyed all the RPG and role-playing and fantasy references uh in that film um if you're a fan of tabletop gaming there's uh, i think things in there you'll definitely appreciate okay in the 411 wrestling interviews podcast my two latest interviews are with tom lawler the former ufc fighter now uh pro wrestler well, technically lawler is still an mma fighter and uh he's still open to you know fighting in mma and uh, Mance Warner, those are both up on uh, Apple Podcasts, so uh, if you have time, check on uh, the 411 Wrestling Interviews Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, 
YouTube, our Formula One Media YouTube channel, and all that. And uh, thank you, Robert. All right. As for myself, this last Thursday, on a special Thursday, damn you, Hollywood, Mark Radulich, Alexis Haina, and I got together and we talked about Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie. Uh, good family fun that your kids will really enjoy. So you can listen to our full review of that. We talk the good, the bad, the money, the all of it, like we normally do. Uh, this coming week, on Monday, there will be a source material dropping that I was part of. Uh, I got together with the host of that show, Jesse Starcher, and the aforementioned Alexis Haina, and we talked about the first volume of the graphic novel Lock and Key series. So you can hear us talk about that. We talk in very glowing terms it's a great book i don't know what else to tell you listen to the show uh, it's a lot of we had a lot of fun this tuesday on a tv party i will be with mark radelich and jesse starcher and we'll be talking about the netflix adaptation of lock and key and yeah that's gonna be a conversation because i was horrendously disappointed and if you want the nuance and the detail, you're going to have to listen to the show. Uh, Mark and I did all, already mentioned, I'll mention it again. Mark and I did alternative commentary for Fury versus Wilder 2. Some minor technical hiccups with uh, Mark got a new computer, working through some bugs. But that is up as well. You can listen to that. Uh, all of those are found over on the W2M network, which the Rattle Broadcasting Network is integrated to. Just put W2M Network into your podcast uh, medium of choice. You should be able to find us without too much trouble. If you'd like to stay up to date on that kind of stuff, the Ride Legend Broadcasting Network Facebook page is a good place to like, and you get access to the schedule, uh, what we're going to be doing. Episodes are posted there, so feel free to support the stuff I do. I appreciate it. And, yeah, Thursday, UFC on ESPN Plus 27. I will be hoping very, very much not to want to die by the end of it. Uh, that's it for me. Thank you all very much. On behalf of Jeff Harris, we'll be back here next week for a review of ESPN Plus 27. And we will be previewing the big one. UFC 248. Oh, baby. Uh, that is a really good card. Uh, basically from top to bottom. It's it's not per again, not perfect, but who Adesanya and Yoel Romero, great fight. Can't wait for it. Zhang and Yin Jacek's a good fight. Uh, very Going to be very telling about Zhang, actually, if she can get by Joanna. Neil Magny's back. Sean O'Malley's back. Adolfo Vieja's back. Uh, Benil Daryush and Drakkar Close is a good fight. Gerald Mearshart and Duran Wynn is a good fight. A lot of good fights on that card. So we'll give you a full preview next week. Uh, so stop. Please come back for that. Until then, thank you again. On behalf of Jeff, I am Robert. Reminding you to stay safe out there and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>